Good morning, Greater Alton. Has everybody got enough to eat this last week? You know, I was I was talking with the teacher service, and I mean, they start at 8.30 in the morning, so it's a little earlier in the morning. And they that crowd is generally a little slower to come in, but they were very slow today to come in. And you could just see it on their faces. And uh, guys, I just feel like at this point after Thanksgiving, we are in what I'm going to refer to as a holiday hangover. Okay, no, that's got nothing to do with alcohol. Okay, you just had too much food. You've been too busy. I talked to one man, one man, and he said, "Yeah, I was off two days with pay, which was great, but I was busy. You know, we went to Black Friday shopping, and yesterday we did the Christmas tree thing and putting up lights. And I'm tired. Anybody feel like that? Anybody? Is my theory okay? All righty, I'm just checking. Y'all seem a little tired out there today, so I just wanted to check." Uh, two things I wanted to bring up in your bulletins, if you want, if you if you would. The first one's on the back, and it's about the toy giveaway that happens on December 13th, which is two weeks from yesterday. And it, out in the small dome, uh, there's some some tags that are I don't know if it's on a Christmas tree or what it's on exactly out there, but you take the tag. It's got the age and the the sex of the child, and you're to buy a present and bring it back. And they're going to have a toy giveaway for some kids. And Jan wanted me to remind you about that. Uh, you need to get it dropped off. I believe it's for the Wednesday before, which is the 10th, uh, so they can get those wrapped. I did hear her tell somebody if you want to wrap them, you can. Um, if not, they're going to take the time to wrap them. Then on Saturday, they'll give them away. She also wanted me to mention that they have put up more names or more tags. So I don't know if there was just a, a bigger need or if uh, so many of you have already responded, they decided to take a, you know offer our services more to more people. But if you, you're interested in that and helping a child who may not otherwise have a, a very good Christmas, you can do that. It's a very simple thing to take care of. The other exciting news on the back happened, I believe, Thursday night. Is that correct? Thanksgiving night. Drew Orr, would you please stand up? Drew. Thank you, Drew. Drew was baptized Thursday night, in case you were wondering what happened Thursday night. Um, but we're excited to have you, Drew. I, I've heard it's been a long journey for you. I don't know all the details, and Michael's told me some of them, and, and he's been coming around since high school, is that correct? Yeah. My son, Jonathan. They start talking about Michael started telling me about Drew, and he's getting close to wanting to be baptized. And he says, yeah, he came with Jonathan in high school. And I said, I don't have no idea who you're talking about. There's been a lot of kids through my house in the last eight or ten years. and So, Drew, we're happy for you, man. Excited. Keep up the good news. Um, you like our decorations up here? Those are left over from uh, Ryan and Jess Smith's wedding. Almost said funeral. Didn't want to say that. Woo, that would have been a Freudian slip. I'd have gotten in trouble for it, wouldn't it? Uh, but that's left over. They got married yesterday or on their honeymoon, so they will not be here today. And so anyway, we are in the middle of studying the Sermon on the Mount. We've been doing that for the past several weeks here on Sunday mornings. We've been doing it for the past several weeks in our small groups. Uh, I don't know if this is Tim and I discussed, if this was going to conclude it or not. Um, 
I don't know. He, he didn't give me a solid answer on that. He may be still talking on it next week. If not, we're done after this week. Yay, we completed something. Um, but guys, we, we've been going through it. And guys, it is, it is very exciting. It is very exciting for me as an elder of this church to see what's happening in what appears to be small ways. But I believe it's like a, a snowball rolling down a hill. It's picking up steam. And uh, I was talking about a few weeks ago, we met at our home. One of our small groups did. And uh, the guys were getting together to pray. And, and Dave Bateman was just praying. And he was just praying about how challenged he is on a daily basis by the Sermon on the Mount, by Jesus' words. And guys, that is very exciting to think, because I believe, I, I believe, I want Greater Alton to be a church where we are all challenged on a daily basis by the words of Jesus, all right? That's the way we want to be. We don't want to try to do things the way the world teaches us to. We don't want to do it by what seems wise to us or by, according to our traditions. We want to do things the way Jesus has said to do them. And that is our desire. And that's, guys, I, I, I don't believe I'll begin to hear all the stories about how that happens. And God, I encourage you to come up with, you know, to be, to be aware of when you're making choices to live the way Jesus told you to live. And that's my prayer for you. And today what we're going to be looking at is in Matthew chapter 5. It's down towards the end of the chapter. It's in verses 43 through 48. And what, how Jesus tells us we should deal with our enemies. Now, if you're out there and you wish I would have brought this up last week before the holiday gathering, I'm sorry. That was a joke. I'm sorry. I know sometimes, you know, what Tim always says, the holidays, he says, happy holidays. His family gets in fights. Okay, let's move on. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48 is the passage we're going to be looking at first off the bat. It should be up here on the screen as soon as he finds it. There you go. There you go. This is what Jesus has to say. He says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now guys, this morning, in case you didn't notice, there's no notes in your bulletin. I did that on purpose, just for, for the holidays, just to do something a little different, and to, uh, to be a little shorter in call honesty, just let you listen to what we're, what we're talking about today. But guys, I really only want to talk about two things. And the first one I want to talk about, first thing I want to talk about is who are your enemies? Who are your enemies? Now, I don't know about you, but normally when I'm talking with other believers here at Greater Alton and I ask who their enemies are, uh, nobody just comes to mind. In fact, we were in a small group a few weeks back and we were discussing this book, chapter of the book, and this section of Scripture, and everybody in the room says, you know, I don't think I have any enemies. 
And even the author of the book, Randy Harris, when he wrote this, he goes, I don't, he says, I don't have any enemies. And so he, he dealt with it from the standpoint of, of irritants in his life. You know, who irritates him? Who annoys him? And guys, I think it's important that we look at who our enemies are. Or do we recognize that we have any enemies? And the reason I say that is twofold. Number one is that Followers of Jesus tend to be legalistic, don't we? We look for rules. We look for laws. And in all honesty, and I'll talk more about this later in the second half, but we do that sometimes, and I'm going to speak from personal experience, is we do that to, to, just, to try to minimize what we have to do. And what do you mean by that, Gary? Well, look, if I look at my life and I go, I don't have any enemies, what does that mean? I can set this teaching on a shelf. I don't need to pay attention to it right now. Okay? That's for somebody who has enemies. I don't have enemies. The, you know, I mean, I've done the same thing for years. I was not a person who would reconcile with people when we had differences. And the, re, the way I didn't do that is the Bible says if you hear somebody's offended with you, or if you're offended, if your brother says something to offend you, you go to him and you talk it out. Well, I just refuse to be offended. I don't have to go talk to anybody. It doesn't really bother me. It wasn't the heart of Jesus. It was that I was legalistic and avoiding doing the difficult things of following Jesus. And guys, I think it's important that you look at it. The other reason that we need to recognize who who your enemies are is because your response will be dictated by that. And that's similar to what I just said. If you don't see yourself having enemies, you'll probably ignore what Jesus has to say. You'll tell somebody else what to do when they have an enemy. Okay, but you won't apply it to yourself and in your situation. So it's very important. So with that being asked, I ask the question, who are your enemies? Well, I believe in using a dictionary when you, to help, help me define things. So I looked up the word enemy in the dictionary. This is what it says. A person who feels hatred for, forests or fosters harmful designs against, or engages in antagonistic activities against another. Okay? And I think he talks about antagonistic activities against another. You see intent in there. You see that there's somebody who's actively opposing you. Uh, A synonym for enemy is the word adversary. The word adversary is, is a group, I mean, sorry, a person, group, or force that opposes or attacks. And you see, guys, normally when you think of an enemy, you think of somebody who's attacking you, don't you? I mean, who's out to destroy you. Who's out to, for your demise. They want to see bad things happen to you. And I always want to take it a step further, and I'll illustrate this in just a minute. But I come up with my definition of an enemy. Okay? And my definition of an enemy is anybody that gets in the way of what I want or think I deserve. Okay? It's someone who opposes me. Now, we all have an idea of what we want our life to be like, don't we? We have an idea of what our marriage is supposed to be like. We have an idea of what our our family we want it to be like. We have an idea of what our church is supposed to be like. We our career, our finances, our our our, our recreational time. We've got a, a picture in our head of how we want it to be. And there's going to be opposition to that. And let me show you what I'm talking about here. 
There's a passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew 16, what's going on here is that Jesus, uh, he's talking to his disciples and he, he asks them a question. He goes, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he gets, gets down to the nitty-gritty and he says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter speaks up and he says it real plainly. He goes, you're the Christ or the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And as you read it, you can hear, the, you can hear excitement in Jesus' voice. He's like, oh my goodness, Peter, you are right. And that wasn't given to you by man. That was, given to you by, that was revealed to you by God. And on this foundation, I'm going I'm to build my church. And he's all juiced up about it. And then this is what follows here in, in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21. It says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, guys, when you look at that, can you see how Peter is opposing Jesus? Do you see that? I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus pulled him aside. He calls him Satan. Jesus is God, calls Peter Satan. That's pretty well opposing him. And he makes it very plain, as I was just saying. What's happening there? He says, your desires aren't from God. Your desires are from man. And you see, Jesus' desires was to, was to go, do what God wants him to do, and Peter's trying to get in the way of that. And you can see there where he's recognizing, you're my enemy on this point, Peter. You're my enemy here. You're opposing me being what God wants me to be. You're opposing my godly desire. Now the question is, why do you think Peter did that? Why do you think Peter pulls Jesus aside and it says he rebuked him? Okay, translated, he got in his face about it. Guys, I believe what you see going on there is that Peter was seeing Jesus as his enemy. How do I say that? Why do I say that? Well, Jesus says plainly, your desire is, is from a human standpoint, not from God. See, Jesus, what Jesus was saying about dying was getting in the way of Peter's desire. You see, because he believed Jesus was the Christ, but he had a picture in his head of what that was. As you read through the, the Gospels, it, it's, it's fairly easy to see that the disciples and the people, of the Jewish people of, of, of Jesus' day, thought the Messiah was going to be an earthly king. They thought he was going to sit on a throne. They thought he was going to rule the nations politically the way kings of those days did. That was the picture that he had. That was what he signed up for to follow Jesus. That's why later on, him and some of the other apostles are arguing about who's going to sit on Jesus' left and his right hand. Who's going to get to sit there? Why? Because they're picturing this as an earthly kingdom, and they're going to be big 
you know, they're going to be big dogs in the kingdom. And when Jesus starts talking about dying and these bad stuff happening, Peter's saying, Jesus, you're getting in the way of what I got pictured here. You're getting in the way of my desires. Now, it's fairly easy to see when you look at this who's right and who's wrong, isn't it? I mean, that's what Jesus says. You have the, your desires in mind, and they didn't come from God. And you guys, I, I bring this up. I bring this up because I believe not only do we need to recognize who our enemies are, who's standing against us, because Jesus says, tells us how to treat those people. But also, we need to recognize that everybody we think is an enemy is not really an enemy. Peter is recognizing that Jesus is opposing him, but he's not his enemy. The problem, well, he's his enemy. Let me rephrase that. Jesus is his enemy as long as Peter hangs on to his desire. If Peter lets go of his desire and gets a picture of what God wants, that, in, that adversarial relationship goes away. It goes away. And you see, guys, well, I hesitated to talk about this, but I believe it's important. I believe it's important to recognize when you're having problems getting along with people, when people are annoying you, you know, when people stand in your way. In the book, Randy Harris talked about somebody who is an irritant. You know, somebody who's just annoying. Maybe they lack good social skills. You know, I don't know what it is. You know, he talked about somebody in the book, he talked about one of his students who was just the, I got a question, and just didn't catch on very quick. Good guy, slow to catch on. And one day, the class came in, and everybody wants to go watch his baseball game or football game or whatever. And this, and they, so they decide, he tells the class, if you won't, you won't ask any questions, I'll zip through this material and we'll be done so we can all go watch the game. And there's a kid right in the front row, the kid's right in the front row, and Randy says he's teaching along and writing on the board, and all of a sudden he glances over his shoulder and here's the kid in the first row. The kid's, the kid's, he's opposing, not consciously, he's just being a, being a student, in all honesty, but he's opposing their desire. He's getting in the way of it. And guys, we all have people like that, so we need to know, how am I supposed to treat them? Guys, the other thing is we've got to look at and we've got to say, it becomes a whole lot easier to treat people right when we recognize that our desire is wrong. And I'm not sitting here making a blanket statement saying all of our desires are wrong. But let me show you something. In James chapter 4, this is a familiar passage to a lot of us. In James chapter 4, this is what it says. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. 
See, guys, what is he saying there? He's telling these people, you have enemies because your desires are wrong. You have enemies because your desires are wrong. And guys, I just think it's important that you acknowledge these things. What's a real enemy look like? And then maybe when you start looking at them as as an enemy, they're opposing me. They're getting in the way of what I want. Maybe it'll cause you to look at what you want. Maybe it'll do that. Just like with Peter. Jesus called him to say, look, your desire is wrong. Guys, that's the first thing we want to talk about. And you see, guys, it's very common. And I, 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 I call you to this because it's, it's so easy to do. Here in America, we, you've got to, it's your dream. Get the American dream. Chase it. Make it happen. And we think we haven't, we're entitled to, it, to, to that dream taking place. And when people get in the way of it, we have a problem with it. I appreciate so long, it was a number of years ago in our small group meeting in our home, and we asked the question. We were going through a book about following Jesus, and it was, the question was asked, have you asked God if, what, if you're putting the most important things first? Some question, something along that line. And there was a guy who answered the question very quick. He says, no. Why not? Because I'm afraid to. Why is that? Because I'm afraid he's going to tell me that what I'm doing ain't right. And he got very specific. You know, he says, I'm afraid he's going to tell me I need to sell everything and move to Africa to be a missionary. You know, and that's kind of drastic, I admit. But guys, you've got to be willing to ask, God, is what's going on here with me right? Is what's going on here with me right? Guys, and that brings us to the second, the second thing I wanted to talk about here. And that is having a heart that wants to be like God. I shared a verse at the, uh, at the men's retreat, a uh, very common verse. It's in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6. It's where Jesus is asked about divorce. And if you're familiar with it, you, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus is asked about divorce, and this is what his response, he, he had a very long response, but this is where he sums it up. He says, since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, when you look at this, there's two ways I see to look at this. One is from what I said is a religious or a legalistic standpoint. You know what this says when you look at it from a religious or a legalistic standpoint? It says, thou shalt not divorce. That's what it says. You know what you look at it when you look at it as a heart issue? What I see is what God has joined together. You see, guys, in my marriage, I knew I wasn't supposed to get divorced, but that wasn't what kept me from getting divorced. What kept me from getting divorced is understanding that God had put me and my wife together. Guys, when you look at passages deeper, you see the heart of the issue. Well, you know, and you had people say, well, no, you don't understand. We got together for bad reasons. Well, I still say God got you together. God just tricked you into it. He got you with the person that He wants you to be with right now. Guys, when you have that heart, guess what? It changes your whole perspective on things. All of a sudden, instead of asking, God, make my spouse the way I want them. God, 
I just want to be happy. And I'll be happy if, if, if they do what I want them to do. You go from that to, God, why'd you put me with this person? No, seriously, what do you want me to learn? What am I, how is this make, how do you want me to be more like Jesus in my marriage? Those are two diff- entirely different approaches, guys. And that's the heart of the issue. Now, when you get to go back to our passage here, if, Pat, if you'll pull back up that first passage. In Matthew chapter 5, you look at this again and tell me what you see. Here's what it says. It says You've heard the, the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For He gives His sunlight to both the evil and to both the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, guys, there's two things in there. There's two things. One is a legalistic set of requirements of how you're supposed to treat your enemies. We see that, right? You're to love them. Do you see anything else in there? Do you see anything else in there that may influence and may determine whether or not you're going to treat them the way God wants you to treat them? See, guys, this is what he says. He says, I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, be perfect. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You see, guys, here's the truth of the matter. Most of us want to follow Jesus, but we don't really want to be like God all that much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we love being called a child of God and being loved and knowing that while we were his enemies, he sent Jesus to die for us. That's all wonderful. But I hope you don't expect me to give up much to love other people the way you did, Jesus. That's the way we are. Guys, do you have a heart that says, I want to be a true son of the Father? You see, because you can go through the motions of loving your enemies, of praying for, okay, God. I remember when I first went through this, guys. I had to make myself. It was 10, 12, 14 years ago. I don't know. There was a, a man that I'd done business with who I considered my enemy. And Jesus reminded me of this past. He's like, okay, I will pray for him. God, I really want him to go out of business. But I know you don't want me to pray for that. God, would you bless him? God, this is hard for me to ask. Would you bless him? Can I tell you there wasn't a lot of heartfelt desire there for me? I was doing what God wanted me to do, almost with clenched teeth. 
And I had multiple opportunities with this guy over the years. I did good for him. I helped him out on a number of occasions. But if I'm honest with you, the way I treat him doesn't rise nearly to the level of the way Jesus loves me. I don't have those kind of feelings for him. I don't have that desire for him to to be a better person and to follow God the way Jesus does for me. Guys, it's a matter of heart. It's a matter of heart. You see, guys, too many times when we face rough things, we just want to get through it, don't we? I uh, spent a week down in Florida back at the beginning of this month uh, for some training. Uh, we're about to purchase a third car wash. It's a different type of car wash than there are other two. And I had to go to, I, I chose to go to a class on how to manage the car wash. I spent a week at Sonny's Car Wash College. It really exists, okay? Have a certificate of completion from Sonny's Car Wash College. And guys, I went down there and it was basically basic managing of people and managing of a, of a, a business that was made specific for this type of car wash. And we spent a lot of time role-playing. Yeah, y'all like that, don't you? You know, we were in this little group, in this little team, and we'd have, you know, they'd say, okay, take groups of three. Okay, now you be the customer, and you be, you be the irate customer whose car was damaged, and you be the manager, and you stand over and watch and tell how they did. And we had to role-play through it, you know, and, and then we'd switch. And then they do one where, okay, you're the employee who's screwing up, and you be the manager who's got to correct him. And somebody watches and says, how you do? I wasn't real excited about doing that. I mean, some of you might be. Okay, I wasn't. My desire was, let's just get her done. Let's get through it. Let's get on to the good stuff. Let's get on to the fun stuff. I don't care about this role-playing thing. Okay? And I've come to realize, ah, I better pay attention to that. I better learn those lessons. If I'm going to have employees and I'm going to have problems, I better have a heart that says, I want to do what they told me to do. But guys, too, many, too often when it comes to following Jesus, we're like I was at Car Wash College. Let's just get through it. Let's just get through this problem. And then I'm fine. Let's not give any attention to my heart. Let's do it. And guys, I just want to tell you, God's more concerned about your heart than He is your actions. If you've got the right heart, you'll have the right actions, but you can have the right actions without the right heart. And guys, how you treat your enemies, how you treat those who oppose you, is a barometer. It tells you where your heart's at. It tells you what your approach was. I had another situation this week. And this wasn't one, we had a, we had a call back. That's what we call... Uh, when a customer has a problem and calls back and has a problem. And so I had one of those this week on a job that I did on a windshield I installed over a year ago. And i got to tell you, over the years, I feel very competent of, with my ability to deal with problems. I mean, I've had lots of experience. I've got through it a lot, and I've learned a lot. I've learned that it's not the end of the world when a, when a customer's mad. Okay, even if it's unresolved, even if they're not happy in the end, 
Your business is, you're not going to go out of business, so don't worry about that. Okay? I've learned how, I've developed some skills on how to keep people calm, on how to uh, uh, approach it. I mean, I've had people compliment me. One of the worst problems I ever had, the guy came back three or four years later, and he said, Gary, the way you handled that, he goes, just impress me. I feel good about this. All of a sudden, I have a call back, and I get all worked up. I mean, it was just awful. I don't know how else to put it. I was getting physically ill. I was getting a headache. And I was telling myself, this is nothing to worry about. You've handled this before. You have skills at dealing with this person. You can do that. And this guy even told me after I called him the first time, he says, I appreciate the way you're taking care of this. But yet I was in turmoil over it. And I was just praying, God, what's, what's going on here? I, I believe I'm in turmoil for a reason. I don't believe this is just something I need to get through. And I was asking, God, you show me what you want me to do. And what's he saying, Gary? Is, you got the skills, but your heart ain't there, buddy. Your heart's got some room to grow. And guys, when we, when we look at this and we talk about our enemies, that's what we want to leave, I want to leave you with today. Is where is your heart at? You see, guys, because ultimately if you have a heart that says, I want to be a true son of the Father, you're going to treat your, your enemies the way God wants you to treat them. And not only that, you're going to be a true son of the Father. And so, guys, I'm just asking you to look at where you're at. Recognize who your enemies are. Figure out how you're treating them. And just do a real heart check, a real gut check. To say, do I have I really fixed my mind? Have I really fixed my heart on being like Jesus? Let's pray, and then we'll be done. I guess you're going to sing a song after I'm done, right? Okay. <laughs> so you're not really done. Let's pray. Father, I am amazed at what you do in my life. Father, I'm amazed that when I decide that I really want to seek you, you, you show yourself. Father, I wish that every person that I know could experience it the same way. And I know some do, Father. We're all at different places and we're all at different levels. But God, that is my desire, is that we as a group of people that come here on Sunday mornings, that we call the Greater Alton Church, are known for being seekers of you because we have a heart that wants to be like Jesus. Father, I want to pray right now. I mean... You, you, Jesus says to be perfect as you're perfect. And we know that our actions and our hearts will never be there. But Father, the question is, are we moving in that direction? The question is, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday or six months ago or six years ago? And Father, I just want to pray right now. You can help us to choose that. Father, as an individual... Help us to choose that for ourselves. That we want to be like Jesus. And that we want our actions to show that. Father, I know right now there's people in the room, it's a big room. And there are people who have enemies. There's people, when I talked about enemies, they thought of somebody specific. Father, I pray you help them just to look and to see where their heart's at. If that's their desire, to be like Jesus. And Father, to choose that.
to choose to be like Jesus. Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.